you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time we have to look at uh, these basics of the faith and especially finishing up um, the prayer that your son taught us. And uh, may, may we turn our hearts to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we are going to pick up in the Lord's Prayer um, where, where we have been. Um, so let's go ahead and turn to page 5. We'll recite this part like always and then um, get, get into things. Okay, we're going to start off with the um, skipping the preface there. Oh, we'll just do the preface anyway. Okay, you need to know that you are not able to do these things in your own strength, and you cannot walk in the commandments of God and serve him without special gracious help. Therefore, you must learn to ask for this help from God in prayer, and especially through the regular saying of the Lord's Prayer. Can you recite the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer is... Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. What do you desire from God in this prayer? I desire, my Lord God, our Heavenly Father, who is the giver of all goodness, to send his grace to me and to all people, that we may worship him, serve him, and obey him as we ought to do. I also I pray to God that he will send us all that we need, both for our souls and bodies, and that he will be merciful to us and forgive us our sins, and that it will please him to save and defend us in all spiritual, physical dangers, and that he will keep us from all sin and wickedness, from the snares of the devil, and from everlasting death. All this I trust he will do because of his mercy and goodness through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore I say... Amen. So be it, Lord. Okay, so we have covered the first five petitions, and we are now into number six, and lead us not into temptation. Okay, so this is the one that is uh, probably um, has the most uh, eyebrows raised when we look at the Lord's Prayer. Like, wait a minute, the Lord, would the Lord even lead us into temptation? That sort of thing. Um, you know, the, that, that doesn't seem to be the way the Lord would work anyway. Well, um, some of this goes in um, to the Greek being a little bit difficult to, to uh, translate into English. Um, the, the tense of, the, um, of that Greek verb, or really, what, it, what, it, what it conveys is both this idea of, of Lord, the Lord not allowing us to enter into temptation and also not letting us um, yield to temptation um, because as we know, you know, God does not send temptations. That's not what he does. Um, you know, he, he, he doesn't, um, yeah, he does not lead us into sin, obviously. So he, he wants rather to set us free from evil. And so that's, uh, that's part of why, um, why we pray this, uh, because we are always engaged in that battle with the world, the flesh and the devil. 
Okay, so we are praying that he would, um, really that he would keep us from temptation, uh, both in terms of entering into it and the yielding to it. Um, I, I don't know about you, but usually um, when, when, that, when that temptation is afar off, I kind of like it a lot more than I ought to, and so I tend not to flee. And, and, there, and there often is that kind of conscious choice. Oh, it's, you know, I, I, can, I can get closer to this line. I can get closer to this line. And you, no, you can't get closer to this line. Um, I mean, that's, that's the way that, that it always happens uh, in terms of sin. So um, I, I think that's, that's part of why we pray this is so that we would, uh, that the Lord would tap us on the shoulder when it's coming. Hey, you know, you know better than that. Um, so yeah, not allowing us to enter and also not letting us yield to it. Uh, questions, comments on number six? Okay. Um, and I think it's also important here that this is, this is not, um, you know, we're not, we're, not, we're not seeing God as kind of, um, um, you know, us being robots and him programming whether or not we're going to enter into temptation. That's not the way that goes. Um, he certainly is sovereign and is in control of everything, but um, but he he does he does um, give we have responsibility over those things. So I think that's 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 something we certainly see in in the Bible, in our liturgy, and even in our um, our catechism. Okay, number seven, the seventh of seven petitions, but deliver us from evil. Uh, and so um, that's the corollary, of course, to not being led into temptation, is that the Lord would deliver us from evil. The, uh, the way that that, that Greek is um, can lead us again to two different concepts. One is um, evil kind of in an abstract sense, and the other one is more of a personal sense, like the, you know, as in the evil one, deliver us from, from Satan, the evil one. Um, both things really are conveyed. Uh, the, the Greek is, is ambiguous in the text about that. So you'll find some translations uh, prefer evil one, some prefer evil kind of in a more abstract sense. And again, you know, we fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's not always easy to see when, which of the three it is at any given time. So um, yeah, sometimes it may be the evil one, sometimes it may be the, the evils of our fallen flesh or the evils of a fallen world or any combination thereof working together. Um, so, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's important there. Um, yeah, and, and something that, that, that we do need to combat at times is this popular idea that somehow um, Satan and God are kind of opposites, um, you know, this almost dualistic approach to things where it's like, okay, you've got, um, you know, you've got this choice now between um, God's trying to influence you one way, Satan's trying to influence you the other way, and you get to make that final choice. Um, that, that's, that's, not the, that's not Christianity. Um, that's not, that's not the, the, the Bible. Um, Satan only has the power that God allows him to have. Um, he, only, he can only go to the end of his chain. Um, I think C.S. Lewis called him God's ape or something like that. Um, and you see this illustrated best in the book of Job, where um, uh, Satan has to go to God for permission to afflict Job in all the various and sundry ways. And uh, so, so that's, you know, the, the Lord is always in control. Um, you know, Satan only goes as far as the Lord allows him. And, uh, you know, sa Satan... Um, 
he, he's been defeated. It's, it's just, we're just kind of in a cleanup operation at this point. And so it's, it's yeah, it's not this, uh, this dualism that, that sometimes we see kind of more popularly. Uh, thoughts, questions, comments on that? I see a couple of potential confused faces. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good that's a really good passage, um, and the idea for that is is indeed that yeah even when we are we we do temptations do come our way that is something that the Lord has allowed, but if He has allowed that to come by, we do have the power to resist it. Um, the concept of temptation is very closely tied to testing, and um, I don't think we should look at it so much as. Um, we need to prove to God anything. I mean, he knows us better than we know ourselves. But I think that is for our benefit. Do you remember what, uh, what, 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 what we, we read in the beginning of James' epistle? I'm in James 1. Let's pull that up here. These skinny Bibles with you turn a page and you skip three books. Okay. James 1, beginning of verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then he goes in to talk about different applications for this. And so there, the, 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 the various testings and whatnot that do come in this world, the trials that come in this world, that are going to come in this world, um, are, are for, our, for our strengthening. It's kind of like going to the gym, and uh, if you've ever done any weightlifting, uh, what happens is you're tearing down that muscle when you're, when you're doing that strength training and uh, so that it can be built back stronger because that's what happens. It comes back stronger um, unless you do it really badly and then you've hurt yourself, but that's another issue. I have, I have no experience with that whatsoever, of course not. Uh, <laughs> the, the first time I ever did any, uh, any uh, I did a leg day at the gym. Oh gosh, we put way too much on that stupid calf's machine. We were walking around like T-Rexes for about a week and a half. Me and my, me and my college roommates, it was ridiculous. It was, it was, it was terrible. Um, okay, anyway, so yeah, that's, 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 that's part of what we have when it, when it does come to, to temptations and resisting the evil one is that that does build strength. But we should not go out courting temptation in that case. I mean, that's not an excuse to do that. But just we know that that's going to come. You know, trials and temptations will come, and, um, but the Lord will, will always give us uh, a way of resisting. He always does. That's good. And anything, anything else on this one? Okay, well then let's look, um, well then we have this doxology here. Um, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, if you look at the various renderings of the Lord's Prayer in the Bible, that's not there. Um, it's, uh, it's something that, that snuck in liturgically pretty early on. Um, it seems that it was something that was added originally in a liturgical fashion. And then in some Bibles... Um, some older translations. This might be in some editions of the King James, if memory serves. 
um, kind of a scribe writing it in the margin um, got snuck into when they recopied it. And so you, you might find some some Bibles with it, but you never find that in a, in, a, in a modern version that's using all the many, many, many best manuscripts we have. Um, but yeah, that is something that was done liturgically often. We don't see that all the time in our liturgy. Um, most of the time we have the doxology, but we don't always have the doxology there. Um, most most uh, notably, we don't have it for funerals. Um, we there's, There is the Lord's Prayer kind of as a preface before the call to purity in our communion liturgy that we almost never do. Um, and liturgically, that took the place of, in the Middle Ages, there was kind of the priest had some private prayers when he got to the altar, so that kind of liturgically took the place of that. But because we do it, the Lord's Prayer in full, just before we receive communion, uh, most folks do omit it at the beginning there as per the rubrics, but it does not have the doxology at the beginning. I'm not really sure why, but it doesn't, and, and that is not in the, um, in the text. Uh, the Roman Catholics nowadays, I don't know when this changed, this might have been a Vatican II thing, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as up on some of their specific changes, but they did something really interesting when they do the Lord's Prayer just before communion, receiving communion is they break before the doxology and then the priest says some stuff like, uh, you know, but deliver us from evil and then the, then the people stop and the priest says, and deliver us, Lord, from every evil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the people pick up with, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And I think the reason why that, that change happened in the Roman Catholic um, liturgy was to um, emphasize that that's not something that was in the text of scripture itself. We don't, you know, not wanting to confuse the people. Not, not that, like, hardly anybody that's there really really knows the difference on that. But, uh, yeah, so that's that. Uh, any, 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 any questions on the Lord's Prayer text itself? Anything we've covered? Then we'll get into that answer and probably end, uh, end with the, uh, that, that uh, answer for what do you desire from the prayer? No? Okay, that's pretty... Oh, yes, Um, that that might be yeah I, I'm not I'm not really familiar with that particular Pope Francis controversy. There seems to be so many. <laughs> he's a uh, he, he's he's an interesting uh, yeah very interesting papacy. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, it probably yeah if he was wanting to change the the lead us not into temptation that's probably part of it. I'm not sure how that renders into the Latin. Um, which would be for, for Roman Catholics, that is, their official liturgical is always based on the Latin, which is, which is why the Novus Ordo in English has just been so terrible, frankly, is because it's bad translation. It's, it's not good translation from the Latin. It never was good translation from the Latin. And as they've tried to make it better, it um, suspiciously looks more and more like the Book of Common Prayer. Um, you know, a particular uh, soapbox of mine 
uh, favorite soapbox of mine is back in the 60s and 70s. Why did the Anglicans depart from something we've been doing for three, 400 years and follow after Rome, who had not been doing English liturgy for more than five years? I mean, that's stupid. But, uh, you know, again, before my time. And that's a particular soapbox of mine. Okay, um, the what do you desire from God in this prayer? I desire my Lord God, our Heavenly Father, who is the giver of all goodness to send his grace to me and to all people that we may worship him, serve him, and obey him as we ought to do. And I think, I, I really like the way that that's phrased about sending his grace to me and to all people. Um, we do need the grace of the Lord if, if uh, we're going to... Um, if we're going to keep the commandments, if we're going to um, uh, worship him, serve him, obey him as we ought to do. And that's really the way our catechism frames the issue. Um, you know, why do we entreat the Lord in prayer, um, you know, according to, this, to the catechism? Well, it's because we can't do what we need to do as Christians without prayer. We can't do what we need to do without the Lord's help. And so that's why we pray, because we need that help. Um, and then he says, and so I think that's, that's really important. Um, and, and I do um, like that it does have, and to all people, that goes back to the Our Father who art in heaven part. part. Um, you know, we, this is a corporate prayer. Lead us not into temptation. Give us this day our daily bread, etc. Um, so that's all part of the to me and to all people. Um, we don't ever stand alone as Christians. I think that is something the Lord's Prayer teaches us. Also, it says, I pray to God that he will send us all that we need, both for our souls and bodies, and that he will be merciful to us and forgive us our sins. Um, yeah, so we need, we need, uh, we have physical needs, we have fleshly needs, we have things that our bodies need, we need provision, our daily bread, we talked about that. But that hints at something that's even more important, which is our spiritual need, that grace of God, that mercy from God that forgiveness um, that really is the root of it all, um, everything that, that is about this relationship with the Lord. And then it says, and that it will please him to save and defend us in all spiritual and physical dangers. Uh, the Lord is the one that fights for us, right? Um, the, Lord, the Lord sends his, uh, we, we see that picture in Revelation 12 of, of St. Michael fighting against the dragon, um, you know, because the Lord does send uh, his angels to fight on our behalf, and he does fight on our behalf as well. Um, and then it says, and that he will keep us from all sin and wickedness, from the snares of the devil, and from everlasting death. Um, none of us deserve eternal life. We, we all deserve damnation, and it's the Lord that keeps us from that, that rescues us. And then it says, and all this I trust he will do because of his mercy and goodness through our Lord Jesus Christ. Which is which is beautiful. I mean, that's 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 what it always boils down to. That's why we. That's why the um, the the liturgy is so Christocentric, and that's why our preaching is supposed to be Christocentric. Um, that's why our church calendar walks through the life of Jesus, uh, because it is everything is through our Lord Jesus Christ and through who we are, and because of who we are through Him rather. And it says, therefore, I say, Amen. So be it, Lord. Amen um, is uh, that Hebrew word gets um, brought straight into the Greek that, that means, yeah, so be it. It's not the send button on the heavenly email, but it, uh, 
but it, but it, it means so be it. It means I agree. Uh, C.S. Lewis said something funny one time about how he has trouble saying amen during spontaneous prayer time because he's like, you know, I haven't had time to, uh, to reflect to see if I really agree with this or not. <laughs> can I say so be it to something? I don't know if I can trust you on that. <laughs> you know, on that. I'm like, yeah, I, I, can, I can dig that there, uh, C.S. So, okay, um, any, anything, on, anything on, on these? Any discussion, questions, commentaries? Okay. All right. Um, well, then let's move into briefly into the sacraments. We only got about ten minutes, but we can uh, we can begin this. So, page six. Let's get into question and answer mode again. We might have not much more time than to run through this, so we'll just run through this section. How many sacraments has Christ authorized in His Church? Two only. Baptism and the Lord's Supper that are generally necessary for salvation. What do you mean when you speak of a sacrament? I mean an outward and visible sign authorized by Christ of an inward and spiritual grace given unto us, a way and means whereby we both receive the spiritual grace and are also given a pledge to assure us of this receiving. How many parts are there to a sacrament? Two. The outward and visible sign and the inward and spiritual grace. What is the outward and visible sign in baptism? Water in which the person is baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is the inward and spiritual grace? It is being born again of the Holy Spirit and made a child of God by adoption and grace, that is, it is dying to sin and a new birth into righteousness. What is required of persons to be baptized? Two things, repentance, which is a turning away from sin, and faith, which is steadfastly believing the promise of God concerning Jesus Christ, proclaimed in the gospel and the sacraments. Why are infants baptized when it is clear that they cannot consciously engage in repentance and faith? They are baptized on the basis of the promises made on their behalf by godparents and in anticipation of their sure acceptance of these same promises when they reach maturity. Why was the sacrament of the Lord's Supper ordained by Christ? For the continual remembering of the sacrifice of the death of Christ and of the benefits we receive from this sacrifice. What is the outward and visible part of the Lord's Supper? Bread and wine, which the Lord commanded to be received. What is the inward and spiritual part, that which is signified by the outward? The body and blood of Christ, which are really and truly received by the faithful in the Lord's Supper. What are the benefits received by the faithful by partaking? The strengthening and refreshing of our souls by the body and blood of Christ, even as our bodies are strengthened and refreshed by the bread and wine. What is required of those who come to the Lord's Supper? They are to examine themselves to be sure that they repent of their sins, are steadfastly intending to live in life, having lived made God's mercy through Christ, thankfully remember his death, 
nor loving and charitable to everyone. Are there other sacraments? Other rites and institutions commonly called sacraments include confirmation, absolution, ordination, marriage, and anointing of the sick. These are sometimes called the sacraments of the church. How do these differ from the sacraments of the gospel? They are not commanded by Christ as necessary for salvation, but arise from the practice of the apostles and the early church or our states of life blessed by God from creation. God clearly uses them as means of grace. Okay, so these last two questions um, come from the ACNA Catechism, and um, it's, it's basically acknowledging that common, um, gosh, at least for a very long time now, um, distinction between the two and the other five, um, you know, there's, there are folks that will go to the mat over the number being either two or seven. And I think those are, those are kind of foolish arguments because a lot of, really it depends on how are you defining them. Um, in our, in the articles and in the catechism, the focus when it comes to the sacraments are, um, that institution by Christ and that generally necessary for salvation for, for everybody. Um, the reason why that's the focus is because something that had happened during the Middle Ages that, the, that um, you know, led by the Roman Church was this elevating of those, those other five and this, this um, overemphasis on, on the, 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 the different sacraments and kind of um, downplaying at times, unfortunately, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So there was this very... Um, superstitious approach to baptism where, okay, you've got to get your kid baptized. Um, if you don't, they're going to hell. But then there was never any expectation of anything beyond getting through the rite, which is an abuse of the sacrament. I mean, there is no grace if there's no faith, right? Um, same thing with the Lord's Supper. It was not uncommon for people to almost never receive the Lord's Supper in, in those days, the priest would receive it every day, and the people would watch it happen. The priest would watch it being carried around and being lifted up and all that stuff. And like, well, this is just too holy for you people, um, for, for you common people. You might defile the sacrament. And so you're, you'll get, you'll, you'll, um, you'll spiritually partake of it by, by looking at it. Um, and, and then, you know, so, so there, there was this, this really, this just abuse of the whole system. Um, I th and it's also significant that this number of seven doesn't develop until the Middle Ages. There's differing numbers until then. Um, the Eastern Church never really has put a number on it. So this idea of there were always seven sacraments, and that's what it means for Catholicity. Um, the Church has always said that. It's just not true. Um, you know, that, that is one of those developments in the Middle Ages. But we can agree that the Lord, everybody agrees that the Lord has commanded baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, before we get into the details of this, uh, any, 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 any questions kind of on the big picture? Because we're not going to have time to get into really details of this today. Well, um, I think in that case, um, I would like to, um, well, let, let's, let, let's first, let's first, before we do, we'll dismiss a little bit early, but um, I do want to address that idea of, of generally necessary to salvation. Um, so that's, 
that's not what we would call um, in Latin ex opere operato, this idea that the right itself is what conveys the grace. That's not the point. Um, but in order for um, baptism to be efficacious, there must be faith on the part of the, bap the baptized. And that, of course, does not necessarily have to be you know, conscious faith prior to the baptism because we do baptize infants. We always have baptized infants. Um, but, but there does have to, you know, in order for, for, for the, the inward invisible grace of baptism, that being born again, to be efficacious, there must be faith. Um, similarly, in order to, for the inward and spiritual grace of partaking of the Lord's body and blood to be beneficial and to be efficacious, there must be, uh, it must be received um, in, re in repentance and faith. And so, um, the, yeah, the generally necessary to salvation is not a superstitious way that was often looked at in, in the Middle Ages, but it is recognizing that the Lord does use the, com the, 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 the sacraments as a way of conveying his grace. Um, some might say that's because it's such a clear sign of the gospel, a clear picture of the gospel. I think that's a little weak. Um, sacramentally speaking, I think there is something deeper going on spiritually, but at the same time, we do need to recognize that um, without faith, baptism is just getting wet, uh, and without faith, the Lord's Supper, as St. Paul said, actually brings condemnation rather than, um, than, than, than the blessings uh, of partaking of the Lord's body and blood, and, and part of that is because um, if one is getting baptized, it is under that um, there, there are being promises made at the baptism that this person is going to be uh, trained in the faith. They're going to be raised in the faith. They're going to be taught the faith. And so if someone then being taught those things of the Lord turns away from the faith, um, then, then, you know, there, there is condemnation. You know, the fact that they were baptized is a witness against them. You know, it is a you you tasted of the Lord but turned away. Um, that's that's why I am very reluctant um, to baptize um, folk. You know, when when folks aren't members of the church and don't 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 plug in. You know, if folks, I certainly would not baptize the child of unbelievers unless you know the godparents were going to stand in. And, and make those commitments and had made those commitments and were given permission by the parents to keep those commitments because I'm not in the business of creating apostates, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a bad plan. Um, that said, we, you know, we, we do have to uh, recognize that these are the Lord's sacraments, not ours. So we don't want to artificially um, fence these things either. Similarly, um, if you're coming to the Lord's, to the Lord's table, um, you know, there is that call to repentance every time with, there's that reminder, this has to be th with thanksgiving and faith. And so, um, again, this, the sacrament is a, is a judge, is, is sitting in judgment against someone that comes to the table, not in, you know, unrepentant and not in faith. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing. Okay, let's go ahead and end here, and I will see you all in Compline in about 15 minutes, and we'll get into the details on the sacraments next week.